Welcome back to the Church of Christ Lesson Podcast. Today we are going to take a brief look at church history. When I say church history, not only do I mean the Lord's Church, the one found in the Bible, but I mean we'll also briefly talk about the denominational groups that we see in the world today. Where did they come from and and so on. It's important to understand this so we can have a better appreciation of the uniqueness of the Lord's Church, as well as better understanding the risks involved with attending one of these denominations or perhaps being a member thereof. We need to also examine the questions of how can I know that I'm a part of the church found in the Bible that was established by Jesus through the apostles? How can I know that I'm a part of that church instead of a man-made church where, sure, they might read the Bible, but are they really giving you the whole truth? So let's look at that today. Now, we know the church. There is one church that was paid for by Jesus' blood, or with Jesus' blood established by Christ and through the apostles. And more specifically, we see this in AD 30 in Jerusalem, or in other words, Acts chapter 2. This was the first century church established by Jesus through the apostles, the church we read about in the Bible. In brief, how can you know you're part of the right church, the church? Well, simple. Is it in the Bible? Well, today we're going to try to figure that out. Now, imagine a timeline, would you? The Church of Christ, it was started in 30 AD, and it continues to this day. A lot of people think that it kind of fizzled out for a while, and then it's coming back, and there was a revival, or maybe even a restoration. But the thing is, when you look at church history, you can see that the Church of Christ has always been. The church has always continued in sound doctrine. Now, you probably don't always hear about it, hence why a lot of people think the Church of Christ is just some restoration movement alone, but the church has never died or fizzled out. The reason you don't hear about it that often, the church's continuation, is history is always told by the biggest, loudest, strongest people, the victors. In other words, when you listen to church history, you are only going to hear about the Catholic Church because it's big, it's powerful, and, it, well, it continues to this day. So, But don't let the textbooks fool you. The Church of Christ has continued on from Jesus and the Apostles to today, and you can also find this easily in church history when you dive into, uh, dive into the studies. So the Church of Christ is not just some movement that happened a hundred years ago or whatever. It has always been and will always be until, of course, the Day of Judgment. Now, Moving forward, we see in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, there was the great departure. In other words, people started leaving sound doctrine and going to what is the Catholic Church. This was established by Constantine as the state religion in 325. You ever hear people quote, separation of church and state? In other words, they're saying it to try to keep Christianity out of government. But that is completely ignorant of what that statement actually means. The separation of church and state wasn't to protect the state from Christian principles. It is to protect the church from the state. It is to protect the church from Christian or from uh, government meddling. In other words, what happened in the Catholic Church. Well, when Christianity was declared the government religion, the national religion, the government got involved, 
started implementing principles and practices, papacy and all that bunch of mess. It was because the government meddled with the state. So that is why there's this whole separation of church and state. It is because of, to protect the church from the government. In other words, Constantine came into the church and he messed with uh, God's design. And so the Catholic Church was established. And we see the first Pope, Boniface, in 606 AD, with, of course, their center being Rome, Italy. And there's a bunch of, of course, other doctrines that have came from all of that since then. So the Catholic Church is not the church created by Jesus. It is a group of people that have taken Christianity and remade it in their own image. But they're not the only one. I don't want to make this podcast, excuse me, sound like I'm Catholic bashing. They aren't the only people that have done this. Which leads us to the gradual decline in relationship, the Great Schism, which of course broke off with Orthodoxy. We see Council of Nicaea in 325, Council of Chalcedon in 451, with the Great Schism in 1054, as well as their center being Constantinople. That was our first break-off. Well, I guess the Catholic Church was the first break-off, followed by Orthodoxy. Now, the Roman Catholic Church, like the Church of Christ, continues to this day. It is the biggest group of uh, Christian or people that claim to be Christian in the world today. And they continue to this day. And with that timeline of, well, false teachings there comes other people that have that were born and raised in the Catholic Church. They're starting to notice the faults of the Catholic Church, and so they break off of the Catholic Church to try to restore the regular or the correct church, the church found in the Bible. But the problem is you can't take apart a truck down to its frame and restore it into a car. You can't restore something into what it never was. In other words, if people break off of the false doctrines of the Catholic Church, they're only going to tear it down and build back something else made with false doctrine. The only way you can ever get to the Lord's Church is if you throw everything out the window except the Bible and, and go back to the source. Which leads to other groups that have broke off. I will now read some names and some dates just to speed this up. We have the Anabaptist groups in nineteen, or excuse me, in the 1520s. We have the Lutherans, led by Martin Luther in 1526 in Germany. We have the Mennonites by Minno Simmons in 1536 in Holland. We have the Anglican, Anglican Church of England. Henry VIII, 1534, as well as the Episcopal split off in 1776 through the American Revolution. In 1785, with their first bishop in Middletown. We have Methodist Church by John Wesley in 1739 in England. We have the Holiness Movement by Phoebe Palmer in 1839. The Salvation Army, William Booth, 1878 in England. The Pentecostals by Charles Parham, William Seymour in 1901, we have the Amish by Jacob Amen in 1693, as well as the Calvinism Reformed by John Calvin mid-16th century, the Presbyterian by John Calvin in 1541, the Congregationalists by Robert Brown in 1592, Unitarian by Henry Wade and William Channing in 1819 in Boston, we have the Baptist Church by John Smith in 1609, Amsterdam. We have the Christian Church in 1906, U.S. 
We have the community church, 1930s, grew into new paradigm. And the new paradigm, example, a cowboy church in the 1960s. With, of course, the four major popular cults. The Seventh-day Adventists by James and Ellen White in 1863. The Mormons, the Church of the Latter-day Saints by Joseph Smith in 1820s in New York. Jehovah's Witness by Charles Russell in 1870. And another group out there that go by the Church of Christ, the Scientists, as it says, by Mary Baker Eddy in 1879. Another group out there that claims to be Church of Christ, but anywho. Now, there are 42 plus thousand different denominational groups in the world, and we have just taken a look at a few. Notice something in common. Number one, they were all splitting off of false doctrines such as the Catholic Church, and there were also some that split off from sound doctrine, men that have taken Christianity and remade it in their own image. And then you had people breaking off of that to remake their remade version in their own image. And then you have somebody remaking their remade version in their own image. And then you have somebody remaking their remade, remade version of the remade of the remake version of their remade version. Forgive me for tongue-tying. The point I'm getting at here is it's just a long line of complete destruction. Unless you throw all of that filth out and go back to the original doctrine, that is, the Bible. And so, now you probably want to know, how can I tell that I'm a part of the church, the one found in the Bible? I don't want to be a part of some man-made church. Well, we will look at that in a sec. Another thing you can notice in common with these churches are... Notice the names and dates. For example, the Mennonite church was, na uh, was made in 1536 AD. Now let's take another look. The Methodist church, founded in 1739 AD by John Wesley. Notice a couple things that all of these churches have in common. Number one, they weren't made in 30 AD. They were made hundreds or thousands of years later. That's probably a bad sign, right? And also notice who the founder was. For example, the Methodist Church, founded by Jesus in 30 AD? No, it was founded by John Wesley in 1739. Did John Wesley die for my sins? Was he crucified for me? Was I baptized into John Wesley? No, not at all. In 1739, that doesn't sound like the date my Lord was crucified, because it wasn't. You see, this is a church that was not established by Jesus, and it doesn't have Jesus' name tied to it. If it's a church that came any time after 30 AD, any time uh, after Acts chapter 2, any time a church was established after that, that's a big, big problem, Right? Because it means it wasn't created by or found by Christ and the apostles. It was found by some man or woman in a different year taking Christianity and remaking it in their own image. Why are false prophets so attractive? Well, they'll give you 9 out of 10 truths. Yeah, they'll read some Bible to you and they'll make it sound compelling. But they'll lead you astray with false doctrines and their false denominations. And now we are going to take a look at how we can... No, how can we know that we are part of the church found in the Bible? Now, we are going to take a look at 15 questions. The answer to every single one of these questions must be yes. If you answer these questions with no, that is a problem. Now, I will cite these with the verses as well, but I won't read all of the verses. I invite you to do so and urge you to do so in your own time. 
for the sake of uh, time for this lesson today. I will cite the, the uh, doctrine in the Bible, of course. Now, the first question, the answer to these questions must be yes. Does this church use the Bible as its only authority for rules and practices? Mark 7, verse 7, John 12, 48, 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 and 17, and 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Does this church use the Bible as its authority for rules and practices, its only authority? Yes, I hope. Number two, does this church believe and teach the deity of Christ? Read John chapter 3, verse 16, as well as chapter 8, verse 24. Does it believe and teach the deity of Christ? Number three, does this church believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Look at Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Number four, does this church have leaders and members who display Christ's love? John chapter 13, verse 34 through 35. Now, I will say, in regards to this question, there's got to be some leniency. What I mean by that is there are obviously people that will sit in, uh, sit in church on Sunday that might not necessarily be a born-again believer. So, But this says, does it have leaders and members who display Christ's love? So, so keep that in mind. It's focusing on the leaders and the members of the actual church. Anywho, moving forward. Number five, does this church wear a scriptural designation such as Church of God, Church of Christ, Church of the Firstborn? These church names are found in Romans 16, verse 16, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2, as well as Hebrews chapter 12, verse 23. Does it have a designation? For example, the Lutheran Church, who do they, what does that title state? Well, it states that they're the Church of Martin Luther. Well, that's not the case. Luther didn't die for my soul. He didn't pay the debt of my sins. Jesus did, and so I need to attribute my church, the church to him. It's Christ's church, not the church of Jake, for example. So, moving forward. Does this church have the mission of the original church to get the whole gospel to the whole world? Mark 16, verses 15 through 16. Are they obviously wanting to proclaim the gospel to the lost? Number eight. Does this church use only males to preach and lead in public worship? Now, I know that might offend you, but it's biblical, and it doesn't matter how we feel. It matters what the Word of God says. We see this in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 9-15. through 15. Number nine. Does this church teach baptism of believers for remission of sins in order to be saved? We see this in many verses, but we will cite Mark 16, 16, Acts chapter 2, verse 38, and 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21. Teaching baptism is essential for salvation. Number 10, teach does this church teach biblical morality as opposed to endorsing and allowing actions such as homosexuality, adultery, fornication, and so on and so forth? And we see verses like 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 through 11, and Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21. Number 11, does this church... Worship according to the New Testament without adding innovations such as mechanical music, instruments, drama, praise teams, or soloists. See John 4, verse 24, Colossians 3, verses 16 through 17, and Revelation chapter 22, verses 18 through 19. Number 12. 
Does this church encourage members to practice pure religion to help widows and orphans and stay unspotted from the world? James chapter 1 verse 27. In other words, are we urging the work, the fi- excuse me, the works of faith, right? And helping those in need and loving our brethren in word and in deed. Number 13. Does this church teach that the Holy Spirit guides people only through the word of God? Ephesians chapter 6 verse 17. The, the Holy Spirit isn't going to give you a, a unique revelation that is contrary to the Word of God. No. He guides us through His Word. That's, that's the purpose of that. So, uh, so keep that in mind. Because there are a lot of churches out there that kind of ran away with the Holy Spirit and have, have given some interesting doctrines, to say the least. But let's move forward. Number four, does this church teach that Jesus now reigns over his kingdom and that he will one day return to take it to heaven, at which time he will destroy the earth, as opposed to the teaching that he will set up his kingdom on earth in the future and rule a thousand years? You can see the verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 24 through 26, Colossians 1, verse 13, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18, 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 13, and Revelation chapter 1, verse 3. In other words, does your church teach that Jesus is reigning over his kingdom, the church now, or does it teach that he will one day? If it teaches that he will one day, that's a problem. He is the ruler now. And the last question, does this church show an interest in the poor and the downtrodden? Romans chapter 15, verse 26. Again, caring about those that uh, are in need. And are we promoting works, right, to, or encouraging the brethren to have works of faith to love those in word and deed? Now again, the answer to all these questions must be yes. If there is a no then there is a problem. Maybe it's a problem you can fix specifically. Maybe you notice your congregation isn't displaying love. Well, of course, there's always room to repent, and you can lead that example. But, in other words, if the answers are no, you're probably part of a man-made false church. Now, I want to leave with a couple important verses to consider as we wrap up. Number one, Jesus said we are to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you in Matthew chapter 28 verse 20. Number two, practicing the doctrines of men makes worship vain. Mark chapter 7 verse 7 through 9. And the last verse, all plants not planted by the Father will be rooted up. Matthew chapter 15 verse 13. So, I invite you to search out a church that wholly follows the Bible. Uh, I would start, of course, by looking for your local Church of Christ, going there and um, worshiping and just and checking it out. Again, even don't let the denominations fool you. And that history is often loudly spoken by these denominational groups. Know that the church Jesus planted has not failed. It is and was and will always be. It has never died or fizzled out. It doesn't need revived. It's not dead. It never has been. It continues to this day and will continue, of course, until the Lord comes back to take us to his Father, to present us to him. So with that in mind, if you are part of one of these groups made by man, simple. Repent and... Come be a part of the Lord's church. Be added to his church today. How can you be added to the Lord's church? I'm glad you asked. 
Acts chapter 20, or excuse me, Acts chapter 2, verses 37 and 38, verses 41 and 47, all state that we need to repent and be baptized, and our sins will be forgiven, and the Lord will add us to his church, add us to those that are being saved. The church is the unified, excuse me, the church is the unified body of the saved. And so when we are saved by being washed of our sins in baptism, we are added to the unified body of the saved. That is, we're added to the church, the church in the Bible. And I invite you to seek us out. And if you have questions or need help finding the church, well, you can email me at churchofchrist.bible.podcast at gmail.com. Again, that is churchofchrist.bible.podcast at gmail.com.